What's up, dudes? What's up, my dudettes? It's the Casey's Corner Podcast, broadcasting live on this Wednesday afternoon. I am currently sunbathing while recording this podcast. The sun has come out for the first time since Tropical Storm Cristobal. It is warm. It is very toasty, but it is very comfortable here in the Louisiana sun. Uh, We've got a jam-packed show coming your way. In the next couple of segments, we're going to lead off with our first call-in guest in the second segment of the show. South Lafouche boys basketball coach and athletic director Brian Colley will join us. The LHSA has reopened the schools for summer sports, so the summer athletic seasons are now underway. Teams are working out, training, getting everything that they got to do ready for the upcoming seasons. So we look forward to talking to Coach Colley about that. That's actually a pre-recorded interview, so I could tell you it went well. He... Um, He's very open. He's a little nervous about things, but people are back in the campuses and the Tarpons have a good plan, and we'll hear from him about what that plan is. In the third segment of the show, we're going to have my good buddy Stan Gravois with the Terrebonne General Medical Center Community Sports Institute. Um, His team of athletic trainers are also back in the schools. He's going to talk to us about how things have gone two days uh, in, as well as we're going to talk about some of the things that the Community Sports Institute does um, and you know they're they're active and busy throughout the year, helping you know young athletes and not even just athletes, just people who are trying to stay healthy. Uh, Stan's a good dude. He uh, um, hosts or co-hosts the the Sports Corner with us every Saturday on ESPN 100.3. So we also get in a little bit of high school football talk and some other things. That's also pre-recorded. So we talked about wide-ranging uh, things, uh, how much safer our student athletes are today compared to 20 years ago. He was very open about that. Told a great story about that. So we're looking forward to that. We'll close out our show by talking very briefly about Cristobal. Um, it was a dud, man. It, and, and thank God it was a dud. You know, I don't say that uh, begrudgingly, but thankfully it was a dud. Uh, we were able to get that out to pasture. Mostly minor issues. We'll talk about some of the things that we learned, some of the lessons that we learned. We'll give some attaboys and some kudos. Um, and then we'll give a brief COVID update. Um, and then... You know, now we'll lead off in our sports segment. We're talking about a lot of things. I'm going to break down the WWE pay-per-view on Sunday. I'm going to do that at the end of this segment. Um, then we're going to talk about uh, Central Lafouche's nearing hiring a basketball and a football coach. I'll talk about that. We'll talk about some MLB. There's a golf tournament. PGA Tour opens back up tomorrow. I'm excited about that. I'll give you some picks and some sleepers because, look, sports are back rolling. Um, I'm a betting man, so I'm going to be Looking forward to finding ways to uh, indulge. It's been quite some time, so we're going to talk about some things that you could maybe keep an eye out on for the golf tournament this weekend. So we'll lead off. Um, as we said, we've got Coach Kyle and Stan on, but we'll give a little rundown. The schools are back in session um, in terms of athletics. Uh, the school's obviously not back in session, but athletics are being able to to go off. You know, guys are getting their guys and gals are getting their training and getting ready for the upcoming seasons. Um, we're in phase two of the reopening plan, so that means we could play everything but the contact sports, which are labeled as football, basketball, soccer, and wrestling. Um, so you could do full team activities for baseball and softball and tennis and golf and all that and all that other stuff, but you can't do full team activities yet for the contact sports. But those students are still able to do drills and go and work out and everything like that. So if you're son or daughter is a football is a basketball player football player whatever it may be um they could go on campus and run and lift weights and 
maybe even in some cases, you know, go and shoot a basketball or, you know, um, you know, I don't know if they're pushing sleds or whatever, but they could get some individual work is what I'm getting at. There's just no physical tackling and contact and everything like that. Um, from what I've been told, things are going okay. Um, there's a very specific protocol, and we're going to leave this to, to Coach Kala and to Stan as they talked about this both. Very specific protocols for what happens if somebody gets sick. Very specific protocols for what happens, you know, to allow someone into a building. Um, very specific and, and very safe, and this is being done the right way. Uh, so, so kudos to everybody for putting these plans in place, and um, we need it. Uh, we need it. I, I know that we. Uh, it's still time to be cautious. It's not a time to you know put anybody at risk. But man, to to move forward, we've got to start tasting some normalcy. So it was good to see, and I, I trust fully the good people and the capable hands that our LaFouche schools are in. You know, Coach Vedros at Central LaFouche, Coach Clark at Thibodeau, and Coach Kale at South LaFouche. Three wonderful athletic directors. We've got great guidance here, and we're going to do a wonderful job getting this thing back reopened. So let's talk some high school sports. It's going to be a busy couple of days at Central LaFouche High School where they're going to be naming a boys basketball coach and a football coach here in the coming days. Um, of course, boys basketball, Mark Sanders stepped away from the position after his son graduated he'd been there for several years and you know I, I'm trying to think of a way to say this without you know offending too many people but I see people on social media and they're talking about how they didn't like Mark Sanders some of them yeah some of them you know, he's got his fans like everybody else but I see some folks who are you know like saying oh man thankfully a new coach do you guys not remember like do you guys have such a revisionist history that you don't remember how bad that program was before Mark Sanders took it over like the fact that there's even a small pocket of opposition against the job that Mark did there um, doesn't, I don't understand that. It's going to be very difficult for any of these coaches, and I'm going to give you the list of applicants in a minute, to do a similar job to what Mark Sanders did. He took that team to the postseason just about every year. Uh, one year they made it to the quarterfinals, actually called their game against East Ascension. Um, they were minutes away from going to the top 28. Um, Folks got to remember that before Mark Sanders got there, that was a team and a program that would win five or six games a year. They were a perennial last place in district program. So he did a wonderful job, and whoever replaces him is going to have very big shoes to fill. The list of applicants is, let's see, let's count them, five men deep. Todd Russ, New Iberia High School basketball coach. Andrew Kiowet Jr., son of Andrew Kiowet Sr., who's the HL Bourgeois Boys basketball coach. Andrew Kiowet Jr. is an assistant at HLB right now. Byron McPherson, the girls' basketball coach at Terrebonne. Henry Latin, who's actually a former Central Lafouche Boys basketball coach. And Marcus Luckett, who admittedly I don't know very much about. Um, to me, this is a pretty easy decision. Uh, I'm going to back Todd Russ here. Um, nothing against any of the other applicants. I think that they've, they've, they drew a good pool here. But Todd Russ is a proven winner at the high school level. At New Iberia, they're always in the top ten. They're always competing deep into the postseason, you know, second, third round. Um, I wouldn't have thought before this process that Central Lafouche would be able to get an established and successful head basketball coach. But that's what Todd Russ is. And, I, you know, I know that it's going to come down to negotiations and teaching schedules and, and, you know, maybe Todd Russ has applied at some other jobs or whatever that I don't know about. But just looking at it flatly on the surface, I think that Todd Russ would be a wonderful fit in Matthews, and I think he would do a great job. 
Um, good guy, good coach. He relates to his players. They like playing for him. So curious to see how it shakes out, but they plan to make their, their selection here in the next couple of days. Football. White Castle head coach Aaron Meyer, Bonneville head coach Brett Bonifons, former South Plaquemine coach Damian Mills, Pineville coach Darren Moore, Westgate assistant Charles Stewart, Walker interim coach Cecil Thomas, and Todd Scott. Those are the applicants to replace coach Keith Menard on the football side of things. Um, I don't know how they're leaning here. They've got some some pretty good candidates to pick from. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how that one's going to go. But they have to. They have plans to to finish all this out in the next couple of days. So we're curious to see what our friends over at Central Lafouge do, and we wish them well because whenever they're doing well, that means that we've got a lot of things to write about at LafougeGazette.com. So we certainly hope that their hiring processes go well, and we wish the absolute very best of luck to everybody that is selected on both sides, their basketball and football. Move to Major League Baseball now. And then we'll talk some golf, then we'll talk some pay-per-view, and then we'll get to our calling guest. Major League Baseball um, continues to say um, that they're far apart in terms of getting a deal done, and I've ranted and and raved about that on this show. I'm not going to do that again. I don't want to raise my blood pressure today. Um, But I think the good news is, and I'm going to actually take an optimistic tone about this for once, I think the good news is that they're continuing, while they continue to, to... shoot down the deals that are being proposed they're at least continuing to negotiate um and it and it feels like to me and i'm on the outside of this i don't know exactly what's happening but it feels like to me on the outside they're getting a little bit closer to maybe getting something done um and here's what i mean by that um the mlb players association first proposed like a 120 game season or whatever it may be and the owners shot it down and said, you know, we'll, we'll counter-propose um, like a 70-something game season. And then the MLB has come, MLBPA has come back and said we want a, an 89-game season. And here's the, 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 the limbo that, that we're in right now. Players want to play as many games as possible because prorated salaries for 130 games – are so much more than prorated salaries for 70 games, obviously. Uh, the more you work, the more you get paid. So players are okay with playing 130 games, 140 games. The players want to play as much as, as they can. Um, the owners want to play as less as less as possible because they know there's not going to be any fans in the stands and it's going to be kind of a financial drain. Um, so they're trying to figure out that sweet spot of how many games to play and then also, will it be a full prorated salary? Meaning, if you play 70 games, will it be 100% of a 70-game prorated salary for a player? Or will it be partial? Because in the last Major League Baseball um, offer by the owners, they were offering 75% of a prorated salary, uh, which the players didn't like. So I'm optimistic, a little more optimistic than what I've been in recent shows and in recent weeks because they're continuing to negotiate. And I think that the, the the gap is getting narrower and players are starting to make a little bit more concessions. And I know they've got to move quick because we've got to have a deal here very soon or else there's not going to be enough time on the calendar to get guys ready to get rolling. But I'm growing more and more optimistic that we're going to get something done. Um, I don't know the length of it. Um, it's going to probably be in the 70 to 80 game range. Hopefully, I would want more. I would want 100 games, something like that. But the owners are opposed to that. I think it's going to probably be in the 70 to 80 game range. 
and the players are going to probably have to bite a little bit off of their prorated salary number, probably accept a 90% prorated salary number, something of that sort. But I'm growing more and more optimistic that we're going to get some Major League Baseball, at least I hope, because as you guys who listen know, um, I'm very pessimistic in terms of if they don't play, I don't think fans are going to come back, and I think it would deal just a fatal blow to the sport that's already kind of been reeling. Um, but if, if they don't play during a time where the American people are leaning on them and looking for them to give them something to entertain you know, the public, I think that'd be really bad. Um, and I, I think that that'd be something that they would have a hard time recovering from. But growing more optimistic. Every day you see these new plans and these new proposals. And what you don't want to hear is that there's nothing out there because then they're really, really far apart. So the idea that they're continuing to negotiate and the, the numbers are getting kind of more similar in the proposals, meaning we're just kind of fine-tuning now. I got a feeling that they're going to get something done. There's a lot of conjecture and a lot of grandstanding. The two sides kind of debate and go back and forth from time to time. Um, but I think that they're going to get a deal done. So let's talk some golf, man. I know that uh, they're, golf is such a, a, an interesting audience. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Um, but I got a feeling that this week everybody's going to love it just because it's going to be the only thing on TV. The PGA Tour is opening back up with the Charles Schwab Challenge in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, has played a Colonial Country Club, beautiful Colonial Country Club. Uh, a lot of big names in the field, man. Uh, a lot of big names in the field. You're talking um, Mark Leishman, Patrick Reed. I'm reading literally down the, the list here. Bryson uh, DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, da, da. Uh, now we read the afternoon flight. You get into the names of let's see, Harold Varner's a pretty big name. Brandon Todd, Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, Brooks Kepka, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, Matt Kuchar, Webb Simpson, Tony Finau, Sergio Garcia. So there are some pretty big names in the in the sport that are going to be playing in this event. Um, no fans, uh, which I think will be interesting because a lot of times when you hit a wayward shot, the fans save you because the ball hits the fans instead of, you know, it hits the fans and it just drops straight down as opposed to, you know, rolling 30, 40 yards farther to the left or to the right. So curious to see how scoring is going to go without the fans. And then also another thing that fans do is they trample down the rough. Without them, you know, hitting a wayward shot is going to be so much more punishing and so much more difficult to overcome so curious to see how that goes as well um golf has a good protocol and a good plan you're going to have to be tested before arriving on the course you're going to be tested every day uh they've got a lot of things that they're doing to to try to make sure that everybody stays safe um and i think that they're going to pull it off i I truly do think that they're going to pull it off i like their plan and i like their ability to host events greater than quite frankly many other um sports to be honest with you so i think that they're in a good position trying to find some betting odds here for the event and then i'll tell you some guys that i like okay for the charles schwab challenge these are top five odds here rory mackerel is two to one to finish in the top five john rom is um plus 275 justin thomas plus 350 again this is all to be in the top five Webb Simpson, Webb Simpson plus 500, Bryson DeChambeau plus 550, Brooks Kepka plus 600, Dustin Johnson plus 600, Patrick Reed plus 600, Xander Schauffele plus 600. Um, my pick to be, I, I pick three things here. 
I picked a Shark, which is a quote-unquote name player who I think is going to play well. I picked a Sleeper, a guy who you maybe didn't think of that, that's probably going to do well. And then I picked a guy that I, you know, my overall pick, the guy who I think is going to win the tournament. My Shark to finish in the top five or to place high, Dustin Johnson. Uh, he hits it too far. Um, on a dry Texas golf course in the middle of the summer, Dustin Johnson should be in contention unless if he just plays terribly. Um, he hits the ball too far. He's got too good of a short game. So I think Dustin Johnson will fare well. My sleeper is going to be a guy that uh, is 14, plus 1,400, which means he's 14 to 1 to finish in the top five, Kevin Kistner. I think Kevin Kistner before the pandemic was playing some good golf, and he's just a steady player, man. He's not going to shoot you know, no eight or nine under, but he's going to consistently every day give you a three or four under and that type of consistency often finds you high on the leaderboard. And then my champion, the guy who I think is going to win the event, I'm going with Tony Finau. He's plus 800 to finish in the top five. So that's eight to one odds to finish in the top five to win. He's probably closer to 15 or 16 to one. I like Tony Finau this week and please understand that this is not necessarily like a pick that you know uh, a pick that I'm saying Tony Finau will win the event I'm saying he's the price in Vegas that I like the most I like Tony Finau 16 to 1 so much better than I like Rory McIlroy at 4 or 5 to 1 doesn't mean that I don't think Rory doesn't have a great chance to win but I just think that the price that you're getting for Tony Finau right now is superb because you play this event 16 times. I think Tony Finau would win it one of the 16 times, which means that him at 16 to 1 is actually a pretty good bet to make. So now um, we're going to talk some WWE here in this final segment or this final uh, portion of the first segment. Um, we're in such an interesting time in the WWE, and I've already broken down a lot of this pay-per-view so i'm not gonna hash and rehash the edge and orton you know thing and i've already commented on all that but i'm gonna give you some picks i'm gonna give you some guys who i think are gonna win the matches it's backlash on sunday the greatest wrestling match ever edge and randy orton on a loaded card it's actually gonna be a show that i'm kind of looking forward to i think that there's gonna be some good stuff here um Apollo Crews versus Andrade, singles match for the WWE United States Championship. And by the way, the, the rest of this um, rest of this segment is going to be wrestling. So if you're not a wrestling guy, as I always tell you, just go ahead and fast forward to the next segment. It's all time stamped. You're not hurting my feelings at all. Um, Apollo Crews versus Andrade. Um, one of the things that I think the WWE is doing the best right now is the Andrade thing. I love Andrade and Garza and you know that that entire little trio and stable that they have there. So I was kind of disappointed um, that Andrade lost the United States Championship, to be honest with you. But I understand why, because I think that he's over very much so as a heel. And I don't think he needs that title to be over as a heel, whereas Apollo Crews putting it on him is a feel-good story, and it you know it really incites some emotions from fans. Give me Apollo Crews to retain, but give me Andrade to put on a hell of a show because Andrade is, is a remarkable performer, one of the best things that they have in the company right now. Triple threat tag team match for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships, Bailey and Sasha Banks versus Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, of course, the former champions, versus the Iconics, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce. Um, I don't know, man. Like... I think we all sort of agree that um, 
Sasha Banks is going to turn on Bailey at some point, or Bailey's going to turn on Sasha Banks at some point. Um, they've been teasing it for such a long time. It almost feels like now we're to the point of the Rockers back in the 1990s where everybody knows that it's going to happen, but we don't know exactly when it's going to happen. And there are rumors that they wanted the match between Bailey and Sasha Banks at SummerSlam. But then there are also rumors that they've now pushed that back because they want that match to happen with a full audience and a full crowd and everything. So I don't know. I'm going to go with the champions to retain here over Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross and over the Iconics. Um, I love the Bailey and Sasha Banks drama. I love Bailey and Sasha Banks both as performers individually. Together, I think they're funny and hilarious. And um, their swag and, and arrogance, I think, is, is, is fun and exciting. And I know that the blow up, whenever it finally does happen, will be fun and exciting. So I'm intrigued by them, and I think that they're going to go over here. Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus, just a basic singles match. Um, I don't care, really, either way. Um, I don't watch a whole lot of SmackDown. I understand that they did an angle with Jeff Hardy teasing some drunk driving stuff. I think that's shameful booking. Um and I, I've already expressed my disdain for Sheamus on this show. I think he sucks. Uh, don't think he's very good as a performer. I think he's just kind of there. Um, I guess Jeff Hardy goes over, but I'll be honest with you. I'll be making a sandwich or something during that match because um, I don't particularly care either way. Asuka versus Nia Jax singles match for the Raw Women's Championship. <sighs> Here's where it gets hard because... I really think they're trying to put the belt on Nia Jax. Even though I've said on this show many times I think she's awful. I don't understand the Nia Jax thing. She's out of shape. She's too big. She's not athletic enough because she's too big. She's stiff. She injured Becky Lynch at one time. She you know, minorly injured Ronda Rousey at one time. She injured um, you know, Asuka's sidekick. Um, oh, God. Uh, give me... Nia Jax painfully though I'm I'm telling you that's not who I hope wins uh, give me Nia Jax here I think that Asuka was given the belt just because with the Becky Lynch thing it was unexpected and they didn't want to gift the championship to a heel so give me Nia Jax to, to win and it pains me oh god does it ever pain me to say that Braun Strowman versus Miz and Morrison. Braun Strowman's going to go over. He's going to retain the Universal Championship. He's going to probably go over them easily, which I'm not going to like, but give me Braun Strowman. Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship. I hope Bobby Lashley wins because I love what Bobby Lashley and MVP are doing, but I don't think that you give Drew McIntyre the championship over Brock Lesnar in somewhat of a squash, to be honest with you and then just take it off of him a couple of months right at, right after WrestleMania. So give me McIntyre here, though I would love to see Bobby Lashley finally get a reign as champion. Edge and Orton, one thing to say here, this entire pay-per-view is going to air live uh, on the WWE Network, but the Edge versus Orton match was pre-recorded on June the 7th, which was, let's see, we're June the 10th now, so it was pre-recorded on Sunday, um, which tells me that it may be some type of movie match like we saw at Wrestlemania yeah maybe maybe not I don't know um 
I, I've been vocal about I don't think it's possible that this will be the best match ever. Edge has done an interview uh, with Fox, uh, uh, Fox Sports 1 recently, where he said he doesn't think it's possible that they could have the best match of all time either. Um, Edge beat him at Mania. Give me Randy Orton here to go over and beat Edge and probably will set up the third part of a trilogy at SummerSlam or at next year's WrestleMania. Um, so give me Randy Orton this time because Edge beat him last time. And here's the thing. Like, I know that my, my friends are, you know, poking fun at me because they're calling me a hater and different things like that because I've been very hard on the buildup for this match. I do think it's going to be a very good match. Please don't, can, you know, misconstrue what I'm, I'm, I'm relaying here. I do think this is going to be a very good match. I do. I just don't think it's going to be a historic match. I don't think it's going to be, you know... One that we're saying is going to be in the top five or the top ten of all time. I think it's just a creative booking angle to, to have fans interested at a time when there are no fans in the stands. So, give me Orton this time. Edge won the last time. and I do think that they're going to set up a third match probably at SummerSlam. Thanks to everybody for listening to that first segment. We're going to catch a quick break. Before we catch a quick break, get us on iTunes. Pretty please get us on iTunes. We are so much more accessible to you guys if you just get the episodes on your phone, I could post links on Facebook and Instagram all day long until I'm blue in the face. But you don't know that you're going to see that because of the you know the logarithm or all the other different things that I'm posting throughout the day. If you subscribe on iTunes, you don't have to worry about it. You're going to get it to your phone. You're going to get an update and an alert every single time that we post. Kudos to you guys for listening. Now, four straight shows have had 100-plus downloads. I couldn't be more thankful, couldn't be more appreciative of you guys for helping us grow this thing. Um, and this is over the summer during a pandemic when there's nothing to talk about. So whenever we get to the fall and we're going to be breaking down games and we're going to be having Coach Tim Rebo on after a win or after a loss and having local high school coaches on after a win or after a loss, this thing's going to continue to grow. So get in on the front end of it now. Go to iTunes, type in Casey's Corner, subscribe, and uh, you're going to be helping us out but you're going to be helping yourself out as well. So let's catch a quick break when we get back. South Lafouche High School Boys Basketball Coach slash Athletic Director Brian Colley. He's going to tell us about some things that the Tarpons are doing to keep their student-athletes safe. All that, and then Stan Gravois after coach. Here's the Casey's Corner Podcast on LafoucheGazette.com. Hi, I'm James Cantrell. I'm running for state representative of District 54. I'm not a politician. I'm a businessman and a problem solver. I'm running for state representative because I want to provide solutions to the many problems the great state of Louisiana is facing today. Speaking from experience, this bayou and its people mean so much to me. I was born and raised here. It is heartbreaking to see our businesses closed from the tanking of our national, state, and local economies to our shrimpers, teachers, oil and gas workers, and every industry in between. We need a representative working for a better future for everybody. I believe that together we can revive Louisiana. I humbly ask for your support for State Representative of District 54 on July 11th. Together, we can create a strong future for our Louisiana. This is a special election. Early voting starts June 20th and lasts for two weeks. Remember to vote James Cantrell, number 264, Courage, Strength, Loyalty. Paid for by the James Cantrell Campaign Fund. You're soft, you're sloppy. 
They calling me Poppy. I'm rolling in bass. It's the Casey's Corner Podcast here on LaFoucheGazette.com. Joining us now on the phone lines, my good buddy, and then also South Lafouche High School Athletic Director and Boys Basketball Coach Brian Colley. Coach, how are you today? Hey, doing well, Casey. How you doing? Good, man. Um, it is a time where, you know, new normal, I guess, is the phrase that everybody's using. You guys have experienced your new your new normal now for the last two days, opening up the athletic facilities and welcoming kids back in. And I guess... Before we get to the protocol and some of the things that you guys are doing, the first question I guess I'll ask you is, man, how good does it feel to kind of have, you know, a little taste of normalcy and to be able to see some familiar faces again? Well, it's awesome. You know, we finally get to see some kids here and, uh, you know, just talking to a few kids and watching them work out and the smiles on their faces. They're they're happy to be out and about and, and getting busy with, uh, you know, football or baseball basketball uh whatever it may be but they uh it's uh it's awesome seeing these young men back uh doing what they love to do now that's one hand of it you know obviously uh it's great to have everybody back but on the other hand it's very serious business in terms of the protocols and the things that you guys are doing to make sure that everybody stays safe um so on saturday you kind of gave me a rundown of some of the things you guys have to do I'm going to ask you to give us that rundown again for this audience here. And then also, two days in, how are things going? Well, first of all, when each kid comes in, we have a coach waiting outside for them. Uh, they come in through one door in a field house where the coach is asking different questions. Uh, if they have a temperature or if they uh, cough and shortness of breath and stuff like this. And uh, once they end, they go uh, straight into the locker room uh, area where they uh, wash their hands. And the coaches have a place where they, they sit six feet apart from each other. And uh, once everybody's in, we uh, divide up in a different uh, aspects. We've got some kids in the weight room. Uh, some kids will be outside doing their conditioning and stuff on the outside. And uh, we go ahead and switch after that. Coach, um, in terms of, you know, this is going to take a, a full team effort. And what I mean by that is, Football is going to have to work together with volleyball, and volleyball is going to have to work together with basketball, and you know every sport in the school is going to have to be a, a united union. Talk about how the way everyone's working together so far. Well, you know, we got together as a coaching staff, and we met with them, and we went over the guidelines that we should be following. And look, we know it's going to, it's going to be tough to do because I was talking to some coaches that said, "Listen, you know they got to stay six feet apart, but when you get down and you coaching a kid." Uh, we forget about it because it's something we never had to worry about before. And, you know, you might have some kids getting close together and you're going to say, oh, hold up, we got to separate, you got to six feet apart. And you're right, all our coaching staffs have to work together. Just uh, the sharing of facilities where, you know, on, on a rainy day, you might have some kids, and then we might have to get some kids in the gym and you have to work around volleyball, girls basketball, boys basketball, trying to get some football guys in the gym. So we all got to work together and, uh, just follow our guidelines and, you know, not worrying about what other places are doing and how they're doing it. We're given a set of guidelines that we have to follow. We're going to, you know, stick to it and follow these guidelines as best we can. You were very honest on Saturday saying, hey, look, man, I'm, I'm kind of nervous about this. Now, we've done it now for two days. Um, have have your tensions eased a little bit and, and, and based on how it's been going so far? Uh, no, not really, to be honest with you. I'm still, uh, still nervous about this whole situation because – the bottom line, Casey, like we talked about, we're putting these kids, uh, grouping them all together, and we're doing our best to keep them separated. But, uh, you know, that virus out there, we still, there's no medicine and no cure for it. And uh, that, that scares me. 
you know, we care about our kids. We do not want to see anyone uh, become infected with this virus. And also, I mean, they can take it back home with them or they can get it home and bring it to us here. So uh, it, it's still a, a scary situation and I'm nervous about it. And I know my fellow ATs in the parish, we speak and uh, we, we all nervous about this situation. No doubt about that. And in terms of keeping equipment clean or, you know, keeping, you know, the, the footballs and the baseballs and, you know, the bats and the gloves and all the, you know, the workout benches clean. Um, how much more are you guys having to do to ch- make sure that everything is sanitized and everything is done the right way? Well, after each person, uh, on a, let's say, uses a bench press, we've got to spray it down, wipe it down. Uh, you know, uh, with baseball, if you throw a baseball around for a little bit, you got to clean the baseballs. Uh, same with basketball and volleyball. So it's, uh, it's extra work on uh, not only the coaches, but also the athletes to, uh, to make sure that, you know, uh, these uh, equipment is being cleaned after uh, each use. And then once uh, everyone leaves, there's a, a cleaning process that we go through to make sure all the equipment's clean before uh, the next group comes in. And the the protocol, if, you know, little Jimmy or little Joe does come back and say, hey, you know, gives you guys a call, I tested positive, what happens at that point? I know there are very specific protocols in place. What happens at that point? Well, what's going to happen if uh, if they come back and they test positive for it, you know, the athlete's definitely out. Um, the entire group that he's in will, will have to will be uh, put out. And I, I would guess that they would have to go get tested. Uh, somewhere along the way, uh, I know if uh, a kid comes in and has in the mornings and has a temperature, well, if they carpool with other kids, that uh, that kid along with the people who carpool uh, will have to be sent home. And before they can get back into the program, they would have to get a release from the doctor saying that uh, that they're cleared from this virus. So, I, there's all this talk around the state of. This school's doing this. This school's doing that. And um, you you said just a minute ago, hey, look, we're not worried about what other people are doing. We're focused on doing the right things here. And what do you make of all this nonsense around the state of, you know, these people being accused of this, that and the other? To me, I've been very vocal about it. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's shameful of the schools that if they were breaking the rules to have been breaking the rules. What are your thoughts on that whole situation of people trying to get a leg up during a national pandemic? Well, uh. First of all, you know, if that happens, uh, the LHSAA sent out some uh, guidelines and uh, it, it came back a few days later where uh, some schools were uh, accused, I guess, of violating some of these guidelines. So the LHSAA comes back and says, if send a, a memo out, if you break these rules, you can be dealt with. And <clears throat> severely, I guess, is what he was saying, uh, Mr. Bonin was saying. So now we get these uh, schools that were accused of doing wrongdoing. So I'm curious to see what the LHSA is going to do with these schools, being where he said, if you do break the rules, you're going to be dealt with. And uh, I'm just curious to see what's going to happen. Uh, my opinion, if there's uh, coaches out there that are wrongly doing uh, these things, practicing before and if it's proven that they did this, that uh, I wouldn't want to see the kids punished because a lot of these kids are a lot of times uh, a lot of pressure is put on them. You have to come to practice, even though knowing they should not have. So pressure could have been put on them. I like to see uh, the LHSA come down and 
able to spend his coaches for at least two years. I, I'm with you, man. I, I think that something would have to be done if if they are have found to you know be doing the wrong things now. In terms of basketball, I know you guys are a little limited, can't have much contact. You get in the gym, do a little shooting. What are some of the things Tarpon basketball is doing right now? Uh, right now, we, um, as far as boys basketball, we're kind of in a, a, a wait-and-see mode where uh, we're going to maybe attempt something next week where uh, we get our kids in the gym. A lot of our kids are playing uh, other sports, so they're getting the, the weightlifting or conditioning through another sport right now. But uh, I think next week we're going to try and get in the gym and we're going to try and at least do some type of uh, put them through some drills. Uh, it, it, basketball is tough to do because you're going to have to stay six feet apart. Uh, you cannot have a basketball and pass it to another player. Uh, so it's a lot of individual stuff that we'll try and get done uh, next week. We're going to um, probably get it for two weeks. Then our gym's going to be shut down for about three weeks because they're going to be redoing the gym floor, uh, waxing it every year. So after that, we're going to be looking back. We'll probably be uh, middle of July. So uh, we're going to get a couple of weeks in June, and we'll start uh, back up in July. One thing that I love to do on this podcast is I'll have guests on, and then we'll talk about the present, of course, but then we'll also talk about some of the things in their past. And one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, because I know these are special times that are near and dear to you, let's talk a little bit about your, your career coaching middle school. Uh, you coach middle school basketball. You coach middle school football. Highly successful, had teams that won, you know, tons and tons of games. And I know that you made a lot of bonds and a lot of friendships along the way with other coaches, but then also former players who have graduated and become adults and some guys that you even in many cases, you know, now coaching their kids or whatever it may be. Take us back to those LCO junior high days because it wasn't yet middle school. Um, talk about the run that you all had and then also how different things were then compared to now. Uh, first of all, my uh, days at LCO are some of the best days. Uh, great administration. I had uh, principals Philip Collins, uh, Ron Briscoe, assistant principal John Rabb. I mean, uh, we treated uh, the, the junior high uh, as a small high school. And, uh, I mean, we had parades and stuff for these kids. And it was just a great time. And, you know, uh, we, uh, we coached hard back then. And, you know, a lot of these players now, they, you know, you come back and they, they look at you and say, you know, man, I hated you when I was at LCO, <laughs> but, you know, now I understand. And they, they, oh, thank you for, you know, what you did. And, uh, but it was, it was just a great time. And we had a, a great run, had some great, uh, assistant coaches that we, we got on our staff that, uh, worked hard. And I, it was just a, a junior high to some people, but we treated it as our, as a high school. And this was, you know, a ninth grade. You were the top dog. It was your top of the school. And uh, it was just uh, it was a great time. And, uh, you know, we talk about the junior high days a lot now with some of my uh, former players and uh, some of the coaches. Very good. And, you know, you get to high school. And I know you, you bounced around a couple of different places before finally landing at South Lafouche. Now, you, early in your high school career at South, um, had some really, really strong teams, and you guys had that run there for a good three, four years in a row where constant playoffs, even some years hosting games. And I know that they always say that it's a fine line between winning and losing. And what were the differences between those highly successful teams and then some of the other teams that maybe just quite couldn't get it together? What's the difference between winning and losing in terms of a high school basketball team? Uh, players. You know, we had, uh, we had good players. Sure. Uh, when we made that run, we had some uh, some players who worked hard and they were, they were very good. And uh, you know, a lot of times uh, 
players can make a coach look good. And uh, back then we had players who who played hard and who who bought really bought into our system of play. I know a lot of times it's not the flashiest thing that, that we have, but uh, they bought into our system, and we would shoot. 60% from the field sometimes because all we're shooting is layups, uh, points uh, in the paint. And I just think kids bought in a lot when you have success. It's easier for them. And, um, again, that was some uh, some good times. And, you know, nowadays we still have kids, you know, it, it's to get them to buy into your system. And when they buy into the system, it's, uh, it's it works easier for you. I know football, the big struggle is getting kids to come out because there's so much summer work and, you know, you're in the heat and, you know, it, it's difficult. It's a difficult sport to play. How do you continually try to, you know, recruit kids to, to be a part of your program? Do you have some of the same issues in terms of trying to keep kids active? Oh, yeah. Look, it's, uh, it's tough to play basketball because uh, you play during holidays. You know, you got your Thanksgiving holidays that you're playing through, you all your Christmas holidays. Uh, sometimes it goes into Mardi Gras. Uh, down here is the hunting season where a lot of people want to hunt. So it's, uh, but basketball wise, it's tough to get these kids to, uh, to come out and play this uh, during this type of the season. But, uh, you know, you can tell them you can hunt the rest of your life. You know, give me, you know, three, four years over here and the rest of your life you can hunt after. But, uh, that, that, that's a challenge. Also, uh, it's a challenge now where kids are, are playing you know, uh, different sport. You, and you want them to play every sport they can. And a lot of times, some of these uh, kids, they get uh, run down playing, you know, football and go to basketball and go to baseball, you know, the major sports. So, um, you know, that's a challenge sometimes just to keep them uh, invested in your program because a lot of these sports now are year-round where you have to play year-round to stay competitive with your opponents. One of the things that I've always wanted to ask, and I'm curious to, to hear your answer, um, been doing this a long time, man. Um, in terms of middle school, high school, football, basketball, it could be any sport, pick one game. What was the most difficult loss you've ever had to endure in your career as a coach? Oh, boy, I had a few of them. Uh, difficult loss. I, I would, right offhand, would be at a last assumption game where uh, we played them at home senior night for our guys and you know we we battled back and forth had a, like a six eight point lead on them but they came back took the lead and we took the lead with uh, about six seconds left by one uh we missed a few free throws if we make them free throws uh you know we could win the game but we missed them and we still had a chance and they uh they made a play at the end uh on the buzzer uh to beat us so that, that was a tough uh defeat right there and I've flipped the question around on you now. What do you think was one of the more uh, fulfilling victories that you've had as a coach? Uh, right offhand, I would say uh, possibly beating HL at HL. Uh, we had Trayvon Evans. Uh, that game there, they were, uh, it was a close game, and they went into a zone. Oh, I think they went up on us a little bit, and they went to a zone, and uh, Trayvon just lit them up from the outside and uh, got us a lead. And once we got in that, that lead, we just uh, – kind of spread the floor on them and made free throws and uh that was a big victory for us at HL. is it hard because your system is based on you know there's a lot of cutting and a lot of screening and as you said when it's going right you guys are trying to shoot layups well in today's nba they're seeing steph curry shoot 40 foot three pointers fading away and i always tell kids was 
you know, there's only one Steph Curry. He's probably the only person who could pull that off. Is it hard to uh, get them to buy in whenever what they're seeing on television is so drastically different at times than what the system that you're running? Uh, it is. It's a little hard. And, uh, you know, uh, to be honest, and you, you play this system here, you have to have the mentality. It doesn't matter who scores as long as the Tarpon score. And uh, a lot of times uh, people at home can't understand that. They don't want their son to, to score the most points. And, and sometimes, uh, honestly, you know, they don't do it. They're not getting it done because it's a team game. And um, sometimes that's hard to try and instill to these kids just, uh, you know, as long as we score. But And, look, three-point shot is, is part of the game. You need it. But uh, our program, we like to try and work on the inside out. And, you know, people say, oh, you don't let them shoot threes. Yes, we do. Just you got to shoot the three at the right time or the right shot. And if uh, we tell our guys the ball goes inside and it's kicked out, that should be an automatic three for us. So one of the big questions, and I'll kind of leave you with this, is there there's so many people who are um, nervous in terms of, okay, you know, we think the virus is getting better, but by the fall, will we be able to go and watch, you know, Little Jimmy's football game? You know, by the fall – Will we be able to go and do this or will we be able to go and do that? And I know you don't know the definite answers yet, so that's not what I'm going to ask you. But I know that you know some of the, you know, maybe like the plans that are in place of possibilities of things that could happen. So what are some of the things that you're hearing right now in terms of what athletics may look like here in August and September? Well, uh, as far as uh, well, that goes, we take it a step further with school. What we're going to do with school first. Right. Uh, if you know, I've been here, uh, there's like maybe three plans in place where uh, the first plan could be normal. Like we go back like we were before March. Uh, that was our normal. Uh, second plan could be uh, half the school comes on a Monday, the other half comes on Tuesday. And the same on Wednesday, Thursday. And Friday would be like a, a teacher day where no students would come, where the teachers would just plan their lessons for the next week. And the third plan could be uh, virtual learning, you know, uh, distance learning all on computers. So uh, if, if the two of those three happen, it, uh, to me, looking at how we're going to have a, a sports season, it's going to be hard to even practice. You know, uh, will the school board allow us if half the school comes on a Monday? Well, if half your team is coming on a Tuesday, can you get that, that half on Monday and, and practice with everybody? Uh, you know, if uh, they can't come to school, I don't think they would let them come uh, just to practice. So those are things that have to be worked out. And, I, uh, like, man, we all, we, none of us know the answer. And we're just trying to take it day by day and um, and see what's going to happen. But hopefully, God willing, you know, we're back in school in August and that uh, we, we're playing our sports uh, soon. In terms of an athletic budget, how much does it physically cost to have – a football or a basketball season or whatever it may be, because I know you you were telling me a little bit about this, you know, privately off the air. Is that hey man, look, we better have some fans because if not, there are some costs here that are going to jump up and bite us. How and I, I don't think people understand exactly what goes into having an athletic season. What are some of the big costs that you guys have to eat every year? Well, uh, number one cost is travel. You know, just with boys basketball, and I'm just boys basketball with our program. Our travel is going to be at least four thousand dollars a year. Then you're going to look at your supplies, our training room. That, that's probably close to ten grand a year 
well, we, we spend on uh, our training supplies. And then you're looking at paying security. Uh, security can run from uh, oh, 200 to uh, 400 bucks, uh, you know, a contest depending on which sport you play in. Uh, officials on a, for basketball, a triple head, our officials can run $300, $400 just for officials. So uh, there's a big expense, you know, that, that goes into uh, to each game and each season. And you know, without fans, you know, we're going to have to come up, uh, be creative and come up with ways where we can uh, – where we can fundraise and, and have funds to even just allow us to travel. And if you're talking social distancing next year, uh, we can't fit 40 kids on a bus. So uh, that, that's an option, something that we're going to have to look at, how we're going to get these kids to, uh, to our different uh, contests. Oh, man, a lot of questions yet to be answered. Coach, thanks so much for the time, man, and a good job as always. All right, thanks a lot. That was South LaFouche boys basketball coach and athletic director Brian Colley spending some time with us, doing a great job as he always does. Let's catch a quick break. Stan Gravois with the Terrebonne General Medical Center Community Sports Institute. Right out of this break is the Casey's Corner Podcast on LaFoucheGazette.com. Hey guys, I know it's a commercial break, but it's me again. But I want to tell you guys a big secret. I know how you guys could get the news in Lafouche Parish, the hottest news, all the things that all your friends and all your family members are talking about first before everyone else. How? By getting the Lafouche Gazette app. Go to your app store, get the Lafouche Gazette app today. You'll get push notifications right to your phone anytime anything breaks, anytime anything exciting happens, anytime there's anything going on in Lafouche Parish that people are talking about. We're going to be talking about it, and we're going to send it right to your phone. So go to the LaFouche Gazette app, find it on your app store today, download it, 100% free, 100% news, 100% local, 100% all the time. Download the LaFouche Gazette app today. American It's the Casey's Corner Podcast here on LaFoucheGazette.com. Joining us now, one of my dear, dear friends and also my co-host on Saturday mornings. It's the Sports Corner brought to you by Terrebonne General Medical Center Community Sports Institute. It's Mr. Stan Gravois. Stan, how are you, my friend? Hey, Casey. It's so weird to be talking to you midweek, man. This is this is supposed to be a Saturday thing, but uh, I'll take it. Usually we're texting during the week, so it's nice to hear your voice. That's exactly right. Um, perfect timing to have you on. Um, actually, uh, you don't know this, but I'll tell you now. We had Brian Colley on in the last segment of the show, and he was telling us they're now two days into their reopening, and everything is going smooth, and you know, now I'm going to kind of cross the bayou and go to a different bayou now to, to Terrebonne. How are things going now two days into the reopening athletically? Good. You know, the only thing I think if I, if in critiquing all of this, we knew there were going to be a little bit of uh, a bumps in the road, so to speak. The one thing the athletic trainers here in Terrebonne Parish were 
sort of concerned about was was not necessarily the COVID-19 protocol and situations because everybody really did virtually everything they could to make sure that everything was in the right way in the right form it was how these kids were going to come back and if you had 25 kids at a time in a given area you know what what did five of those kids do opposed to these five opposed to those five and what i mean by that is, is they were a little worried that some of the kids might be so far more advanced as far as physical training than the other ones that coaches might be in for a rude awakening and and i gotta tell you a lot of them text me it was actually on tuesday morning mentioning that hey we had to do some we had to do some vomiting cleanup and things <laughs> like that for kids who just hadn't been doing anything yet you had some other kids who were like it was nothing for them so i think some of their fears came true as far as the level that all these kids were at and coaches didn't take into account that they were going to get a whole bunch of kids at a whole bunch of different levels because quite honestly if they were all in school you know throughout the entire spring whether they were advanced or not the coaches would have known it you know they would know how to group kids they would know how to put kids together that at the same level i think they're finding that out this week but all of that being said they told me all of this with a smile on their face because they're so glad to be at work and they said the kids are ecstatic out there too so uh yeah it's it's a little bit of moving back to the uh, new normal Brian said the same thing. You know, he he reiterated some of the things he told us on Saturday in terms of being nervous or whatever. But he did say, man, it's a breath of fresh air to be able to see these guys and, you know, to be able to see everybody back working again. He he definitely said that, that was something that was very special to him. Now, Stan, one thing um, that you talked about at length on Saturday, and I agree with you 100%, is I think so many people are focused on the virus, where and rightfully so, but... There's a big concern in Southeast Louisiana when you're training for a football season and you're not heat safe. Talk about heat safety and some of the things you guys are doing to kind of ease people back. Because, man, that sun could be a killer even more so than the virus if you do it the wrong way. Yeah, part of this deal is education, I got to tell you. And uh, we're very fortunate. A lot of the coaches that did start, whether it be late on Monday afternoon after, you know, we thought the storm might be a little worse than what it was. So some started Monday afternoon but most got started on Tuesday morning. They allowed the athletic trainers to talk to the kids about the importance of hydration, 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 hydration. Not only that, considering that part of this phase by the LHSAA is to not allow kids to drink out of Gatorade bottles or to even drink out of water fountains at schools, you have to bring your own water then it's not just about drinking the water while you're doing these drills on a given day. It's to hydrate yourself before. It's to hydrate yourself after. So they gave a long sort of educational session to all of the kids about what to do related to that. And uh, I, and listen, it didn't take long for the kids to take heed because by the time they were finished working out on Tuesday, they were all ready to, you know, listen related to what they need to do to keep their bodies in, in good peak performance uh the other thing is is nutrition and this doesn't have necessarily a lot to do with the pandemic but then again i guess it might kind of because quite honestly a lot of kids have not been you know treating their body right by their diet and that being said they tried to reiterate eat breakfast like if you have a workout at eight o'clock at your high school or nine o'clock or ten o'clock whatever it may be 
you need to make sure that you eat a good breakfast to be ready to do that. You need to make sure that you're getting the right kind of diet in. So it's a combination of the water and a diet, and then it's those things like the potassium and all those other things that stop you from cramping up. So it's been a full-fledged education session by the athletic trainers again. And although we never wanted the pandemic, and although it's been really a pain in the rear end, the one thing it may do is it forces you to have these education systems with the kids, and it forces you to have, you know, some kind of dialogue related to how you treat your body. And that being said, something good may come out of it because I think some of these kids are going to say, you know what, even before all of this happened, I wasn't doing that right or I wasn't doing this right. So so hopefully we find some good out of all of this. Tell us a little bit about the Community Sports Institute. I know you're speaking to an audience that's going to be primarily down the bayou here. I feel like you guys... Um, do so much good for so many people. You have a beautiful state-of-the-art building that a lot of folks you know, in this area may not be familiar with. Tell us a little bit about what it is that you guys do. Yep, started in 2014, and uh, actually I was in education, as you well know, and uh, our CEO here, Phyllis Peoples, decided that she wanted to do something that was kind of an outreach to the community. How do you start? You start by working with the school system, We didn't even have a name for it back then. We sat down and said, first, we want community in here. So obviously community got its tag in there. And then it was like, she wants, she said, I want education. She said, I don't know what you call it, you know, and we started throwing around names. I think it was actually her who threw the Institute in there and she said, Institute, you know, a a learning place. And then sports was the tough one because it's not just about sports. It's about everything. You know, we'll work with, the schools, I, 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 it's, it's ironic that I got a note just about 10 minutes before I got on the line with you from one of the elementary schools here in town called Mulberry Elementary. They want to start a CPR class for sixth graders, not for certification, but for those sixth graders to know how to perform CPR. So it's not just about sports, but we did decide to put sports in there because we have the athletic trainers. So that's how you get Community Sports Institute. From there, our big you know, kind of stronghold, our motto, our philosophy is education, prevention, and care. We hope as much as we can to educate everybody out there. We hope to prevent any injuries because I know this sounds crazy, Casey, but my job is to try and keep people out of the hospital. In today's world, people coming into the hospital who are not in good health actually cost the hospital money. So we're trying to make sure that people don't come in, that they stay healthy. But if they do, and we all are going to have bumps and bruises along the way, if they do have to come into our healthcare facility, they're in the maximum health to get over what injury they may have the quickest. So from that perspective, yeah, we're there to teach. And then the last thing is care. And obviously, sometimes you have to provide care. So we're there for that. We have an athletic trainer in all of the high schools in Terrebonne Parish. And I know a lot of times schools outside of the parish will say, well, wait, why don't y'all supply our athletic trainer? Because, for example, South LaFouche has a great, you know, athletic trainer there with Ryan and Tommy is at Central LaFouche. And everybody knows J-Rod, Jerry over at Thibodeau High School. They are employed by the LaFouche Parish School District in Terrebonne Parish. Both the public and private schools do not supply athletic trainers. 
Terrebonne General does for them and does not charge them a dime for it. It's a, it's an outreach and, and, you know, it, listen, all athletic trainers love it because they kind of work for Terrebonne General, but they work in the school system, but the school system can't like hold anything over them, which <laughs> is pretty much like teaching classes and things like that. Yet they still get to perform what they love to do every day. So from that perspective, those guys are out there just uh, busting their tail, taking care of the kids. They love it. It has worked out absolutely great. And uh, the Terrebonne General Service District is Terrebonne Parish, and we're trying to stay here. Now, that's not to say that we don't help anywhere else. Uh, for example, you talked about Brian. Coach Kale and those guys had a situation where when they went to their playoff game in football, unfortunately, Nathan, uh, excuse me, Ryan couldn't make it up there. And he gave a call to us, and we have a just a great guy in Bo Wallace. Actually, his first name's Melvin, but we all call him Bo. And Bo said, yeah, no, no worries, Ryan. I'll go up there. And he actually went with the South Wales football team when they went to North Louisiana. So that being said, we all reciprocate and help each other. You know, Larry does a great job over at Thibodeau Regional, and, and we're friends with all of those guys there. So... It's a community that's just here taking care of the kids, and it just so happens that Community Sports Institute is sort of the hub for Terrebonne Parish. Very good. And one of the things that we talked with Brian about in the the last segment of the show is I was asking him to go back to his middle school days, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Well, I had for, for Brian, 20, 25 years ago. And you were coaching in those times as well, and now you're still in locker rooms today. Um how much safer are the kids now compared to them? Because back in the day, man, it wasn't a concussion. It was, you got your bell rung, shake the cobwebs out. Every little expression that we had, now there's protocols. Now there's these defibrillator machines. You know, or if something drastic happens, that you know you guys could save someone on the field. And just talk about all the different things that, that are in place now and how much safer we are today than what we were 20 years ago. Yeah, I can't fathom when I first started coaching what we did. And now I look at it and go, oh, my goodness, we were idiots, you know. And now you sort of have the athletic trainers to lean on who understand the protocol and the right thing to do going forward. It's a different world. The way we taped back then in the late 80s and the early 90s compared to how you tape. Now, this is obviously preventative care, you know, before a ball game or a, or a, or a basketball game or a tennis match or whatever it may be. The way you take care of kids before the actual competition or the practice is totally different now. The way you take care of it during the competition is different. And the way you take care of it after the competition is different. So it's a, it's a totally different ball game. I got to tell you, if you ask me if my kid was safe playing in the late 80s as compared to right now, I would tell you not in a, not in a million years. We've come such a long way. And I, and I tell this story real quickly. I'll try to tell it as quick as I can. This is the great example of this, Casey. So in 1991, I'm coaching at South Terrebonne, and we have a good team. Obviously, we go to the state championship and win the state championship. But early in that year, we were playing a rival from here in town, right? And our deep back is a very good football player. I'm not going to give out names, but he's really good. Actually went on to LSU and played at LSU. And, and he, on the kickoff return, is our deep back. And in the second quarter against this rival school, he's waiting to return a kick. And the ball is kicked short. So the up back catches the ball and takes off running. Well, our guy, who is back there, who wanted to run the ball, says, I love physical contact. 
he gets in front of the line and takes out the first guy from the opposing team he sees in the wedge, and he lays that guy out. That guy is unconscious, Oof. literally, for about 15 seconds. So what do we do to our guy that knocks that guy out? Well, we high-five him, right? Because it's football. <laughs> you know, that was the day and age where you – we did check on the kid, don't get me wrong, but the kid hobbled off the field. Well, I know that kid to this day. And five years ago, I was talking to that kid, and that kid was actually 41 years old five years ago, which really dates me a lot. But anyway, I'm talking to him, and I said, boy, you remember that hit? And he said, do I remember it? I still have migraine headaches every day from Wow. And I said, what? He says, I have migraines every day. He says, I have photophobia. I have photophobia. Like, light causes me problems, and when things get too loud... I said, you sure it was that, you know? And he says, yeah. He says, well, what you don't understand, Coach, is because you were on the other sideline. They put me back in the game in the third quarter of that game. I said, they put you back in. And this guy was a heck of a running back, an all-district running back. He said, yeah, they put me back in in the third quarter, and I got my bell rung again. Well, Casey, in the year 2020, that'll never happen again. But, boy, you know, 1991, that's how they did things. You got your bell rung in the second quarter, you were back in in the third quarter. If you sprain your ankle so bad that you can't walk on it, you don't play anymore. But we don't know that about the head. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. So that 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 story in itself to me was the bottom line on all of this, where I said, boy, you know what? We're doing some good. So, yeah, it's a different world. I would, I would not ever not let my son play high school football or any high school sport because I think we know so much more now and we're doing everything we can. So we've been talking about, you know, some of your work stuff for the last 15 or so minutes. Now we'll spend the rest of the interview talking about some sports, man. We've got um, a high school football season that's right around the corner. And Stan, it's like the great unknown, man. And it, it would be the great unknown even without COVID. And what I mean by that is everyone seemingly has a first-year coach or a new coach or whatever it may be. There's so much turnover. We don't know what's going to look you know what the 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 coaching staffs are going to look like and you know what wrinkles they're going to bring to the table and then of course the elephant in the room is the ultimate great unknown as we don't know fans in the stands we don't know you know will games have to be postponed or canceled or whatever it may be this feels like this is going to be a wild capital w wild high school football season upcoming every day i feel a little more confident that it's going to happen on what level, I don't know, because if you'd asked me three weeks ago, I'd have told you I don't know that we were even going to have a high school football season. But, uh, you know, every day that you see, you know, them still having low numbers related to ventilators and stuff like that in hospitals, I'm going, you know what? We probably are going to have football. I just don't understand exactly how it's going to go forward. And I actually reached out to you earlier in the week on Monday. It was the first day that I allowed myself to start pulling out everybody's schedule in the bayou and the river region. Just to look over it, to refresh myself, to go, oh, yeah, I remember this game from last year. Because we're in the second year of a two-year cycle of scheduling, which means everybody that the high schools played last year, they're going to play this year. Now, it might be in a different venue. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I started going, wow, yeah, look, boy, that was a good game. I wonder what that's going to be like this year. And look, this team's got a different coach, but that other team's got a different coach too. So I, I'm, I, I think I, I consciously did not allow myself to have the fun of thinking about high school football until this past Monday. 
So with my luck, something's going to come along and take it all the way from me. But I do think that we're in for a really fun season. Uh, one thing I mentioned to you on Saturday, I did not realize that 7-5-A is in the same situation as 8-4-A, yep. which are our bi-region districts. It's just new coaches everywhere you turn because I guess I just took for granted that Destraham was always going to be Coach Rogan's show. And I always took for granted, you know, that when I thought of Hornville High School, I mean, obviously, you used to think the coach, you know, uh, oh, shoot, and his name escapes me. But Lou First, Coach Salt just lately. Oh, yeah, Lou. Before that. And now it's like, okay, so they're on their third guy. You know, and uh, that's kind of interesting. And it's not just about teams that have struggled. Obviously, Destrehan and Hornville don't struggle, and they have new coaches. Assumption has won that district or been at the top of that district for the last umpteen years. They have a new coach. So it's it's top to bottom. There's no – it's not like a bunch of coaches who weren't doing well so they lost their jobs. It's just a massive change. And I – that – that is going to be interesting to see what these teams look like because I'm not quite sure we're going to see the same schemes on offense and defense. Obviously, with South, I think it's going to change a little bit. Uh, even on the single-A level with CCA and talking to their new guy, Colin Mathern, he's throwing out the wing tee, and I don't think there's ever been a time that CCA hasn't run the wing tee. So we're going to see some, we're going to see some new, and I hope, on a lot of cases, or at least I know their coaches hope that it's new and improved football. So you and I, you know, both follow South Terrebonne pretty closely. It's the second closest school to where I live. It's a school near and dear to you. You spend a bunch of time there. And we both love Archie Adams. He's a good friend of the, of, of the sports corner. We're going to have him on this podcast here soon. But how weird is it going to be that first Friday night of a jamboree or that first regular season game that you catch to not see old Curlin on that sideline with the towel wrapped around his neck and everything that he used to do? How awkward is that going to be to not see him out there? You, you know what's even it makes it even weirder to me, Casey, is that and Coach Curlin's I think, it's four years older than me. And when I was a little kid growing up down in Montague, and I enjoyed going to ball games just like you did as a Tarkin fan when you were a little bit younger, Richard Curlin was a name you heard all the time. Now, sure. He moved into this area when he was like a junior in high school. But when I was a little kid, because I had a sister who was like a cheerleader there, so we went to the games, and, and it was like Richard Curlin makes a tackle, Richard Curlin this. So it's not just about his time teaching there. That guy had an association with South Terrebonne since 1974. So you're talking about from 1974 through to the year 2019, well, 2020, if you consider his teaching, because he just retired. Think about that. The school's only been open since 1961. So from 1974 all the way to 2020, that guy's had something to do with that school. He's been kind of roaming the sidelines, except for his four years that he left to go to Nichols to play football at Nichols. So, yeah, that's going to be different. The reason that I think the transition is going to be sort of smooth is that Archie is that guy, too. You know, Archie didn't have, you know, the college career, say, that Richie Curlin had playing football and such. But he is. You know, he's from Chauvin, Louisiana. He knows the culture at South Terrebonne. Richie Curlin was a coach when he played there. So I think he carries over a lot of what they always had there. They just picked up Chandler Arsenault who was a terrific All-American at Nichols, who was a South Terrebonne guy. 
They just got back David McCormick, who was a South Terrebonne guy, played there. Of course, he was at Eleanor for a little while. So, like, the staff is virtually all South Terrebonne graduates. Uh, it's South Terrebonne kids. It's it's such a unique community-type school. I, I, I think they're going to be okay. I think they're going to be okay. What is it about our two, you know, most rural kind of bayou high schools? It was South Lafourche and South Terrebonne, I always tell everybody – they're the same school, different bodies, same type of kids, same type of fans, same type of, you know, everything. And it feels like with both of those schools, they have another thing in common is that you leave and you go someplace else for a little while and then you always come back. What is it about those two schools? To It's like a magnet. You can't get away. Oh, that's interesting. I truthfully, my family was never from the area. My dad was in Montague because... He was a sugarcane farm, and they used to have a huge farm down in, in, in the Montague area that he oversaw. So I kind of moved into that area. Certainly not a lot of grub was in an area that was full of LaBeoufs and A-Bears <laughs> and, you know, and things like that. But you kind of start to get entrenched a little bit, and everybody takes care of each other. And uh, listen, I mean, this is... Everybody hears this cliche. If we have a storm down here, the next day, the guy who lives next door to you, he's got his, uh, you know, his white shrimp boots on, and he's helping you in the yard pick up your stuff. And, you know, we all kind of lend a hand to each other. So you may leave, but it's always home, kind of. And there's all that is you can't go home, and that's not true with South Terrebonne. I think it's it's a good school education-wise, too. So I think from that standpoint, why not be there? It, it, you sort of family. Well, I got to give Salva Push a lot of credit for that because, quite honestly, I think back in the seventies, when South Terrebonne, even the late sixties, when South Terrebonne was trying to find its way, you kind of looked to South Lafouche. Of course, at one time it was, you know, you had LCO and you had, you know, Golden Mel, and it was a little difference there. But that was a bayou that was just like you. You're on the south end of Bayou Lafouche. We're on the south end of Bayou Terrebonne. You know, and and if you're going to do it, that's how you do it. And uh, I, I think the two schools sort of had the same traits because of that. You you, you feel a sense of community, and uh, they're going to be behind you. And uh, listen, when it when the going's good, it's great. Sometimes when it's not going <laughs> so good, having all of that community with you is uh, they'll let you know about it. But uh, I I think those schools. <coughs> Excuse me. Both schools are in a, in a really good situation. Stan, before we let you go, I'm going to give you an opportunity to brag on your guys and, and gals a little bit because I know when sports shut down, you guys were in a situation where I had to find some things to do. And you, you guys lent a hand in terms of, you know, screening people at the doors. And I know that, you know, outside of your own building at the, at the Sports Institute, you guys are, you know, acquainted with a lot of the nurses and doctors and you guys are, you know, as a hospital, are saving lives, literally. There are so many stories, and I know you got to be so awfully proud. So last question, I'm going to let you brag on, on everything that you guys have done here in the last couple of months. Yeah, really brag. Proud of the entire staff. Uh, obviously, we have the athletic trainers at each of the schools. So we have six full-time, one part-time athletic trainer. They were at the doors, and they were screening, taking temperatures, asking those important questions when both patients and visitors were coming into the hospital. 
my secretary, Cassie Rose, done a great job. She's been out there helping out also. Our guys who worked in the gym when our gym was closed down, Patrick Labad, Joshua Gotro, Jessica Roy, and they all have jumped up and they've done filled in any way they could. It's interesting because we are sort of separate from the clinical world of the hospital. You know, obviously we have four floors of, of patients and they're saving lives there and, and they're really important what they do. But we never really intertwined with them a lot. Well, COVID-19 made that happen. Obviously, now we're going into their world a little bit and trying to assist them and be a resource to them. And again, I couldn't be prouder. I spoke with my COO yesterday, Diane Yates, and we were just chatting. And she said, by the way, that is awesome the way you guys stepped up and you took over the entrance ways for us during this time. And you didn't blink an eye and you all were ready to go. And I said, well, that, that ain't me because I blinked a lot of eyes. I was, you know, <laughs> not that I was necessarily nervous. I was just scared. We were, you know, I don't want to do the wrong thing. Nobody wants to do the wrong thing, obviously. I said, so uh, we, we learned along the way. But I said, Diane, it was kind of a blessing because we got to know more docs. We got to know more nurses. We got to have a, a better rapport with people. They actually have walked over and brought us food and thanked us for being there. And we're like, wait a minute, you're in CCU saving lives and you're coming to us. Thank you. You got that wrong a little bit. So it's been a really a uh, it's been a real uh, I use that word again, community situation where uh, I couldn't be prouder of the staff that we have, but I couldn't be prouder uh, of the whole hospital. And I know a lot of people see the commercials now on television and all of the thank yous that go out to healthcare. I'm telling you, until you are in the foot, you know, the, the, the shoes of some of these people and what they have to do, you just don't get it. Because even the day that they walked in and they said, how do you think y'all can help Stan? And I verbally said, we could help at the entrances doing the screening. When they said, thank you very much. And I turned around and walked back to my office. I went, what did I just do? <laughs> I mean, what does that mean? What, does that mean I can't go home for three weeks? Because I may be around people who are, because if you remember back two months ago, it was crazy. Yeah. We didn't know what was what. So it was like, did I just put the athletic trainers on the front line for something that they may not be? Then when I talk to the athletic trainers, they're like, we're there. We're time tomorrow. You need me. Just tell me what to do. So, yeah, there are a lot of, when healthcare stepped up for this, trust me. You're not thanking them enough. It is really something. And I heard you talking about Brian's daughter and being a nurse, which I did not know. I wanted to jump in and say, oh, my goodness, thank you so much for that. Because especially her being traveling around the country, it's like it's huge. It's it's a job that I'm glad that people get to understand maybe what they had to go through with all of this. Because it's uh, when you jump in those shoes, it's mind boggling. Well, buddy, thank you so much. I know you're a busy guy. Thanks for giving us the you know last couple of minutes, and uh, we're going to do this again soon, okay? Thank you very much, sir, and I look forward to Saturday morning. Yes, sir. Back at you. That was Stan Gravod doing a great job, as always, filling us in on some of the things they're doing at the Terrebonne General Medical Center Community Sports Institute. Man, kudos to them. I couldn't imagine. They're doing such great work in a tough time, and the stories about everybody diversifying their, their efforts and Everybody trying to lend a helping hand in a tough time. It's it's what Southeast Louisiana is made of, so kudos to them. Let's catch a quick break when we get back. 
Cristobal proved a little bit of a dud. We're going to break down and give some final thoughts on how we did in Cristobal. And we're going to give you your COVID update. It's the Casey's Corner Podcast on LaFoucheGazette.com. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Hey, it's me again. And usually commercials are a time where you're selling a product or promoting something that you're doing within your workspace. Forget about that. That's not what this commercial's for. This commercial is from me to you, our wonderful readers at the Lafouche Gazette and our wonderful listeners to this podcast. I want to send my sincerest thanks to every single one of you who has reached out during the pandemic, who has called or texted to see how we were doing, to give us kudos on our work, give us thanks and you know all the different things that we've been doing it means so much so from the bottom of my heart i tell you guys also just like you're always thanking us we thank you for reading our product for consuming our podcast and for giving us the ability to go into your living rooms with our news we try our best every single day we have a wonderful staff and a wonderful team and it's our absolute pleasure to serve the people of lafouche parish God bless you all, and keep listening, and keep reading LaFoucheGazette.com. want to send my sincerest thanks to Coach Brian Collins and my sincerest thanks to San Gravois, two wonderful calling guests. I enjoyed spending some time with them today. It's the Casey's Corner Podcast on Um Those guys are both busy right now, so for them to take some time out of their schedule um, and spend it with us, we're very appreciative. We thank them so much and uh, look forward to catching up with both of them here in the very near future. Um, uh, we're going to talk some Cristobal here in this segment then we'll give you your COVID update then we'll call it a day on this wednesday um first things first we had the tropical storm go through on sunday and it ended up not you know amounting to a whole lot locally um it was a, a tale of the storm just spent a ton of time over mexico and that sapped a lot of the the structure of the storm it forced the storm to balloon out in size and nothing wrapped around the center. And then when it got into the Gulf, because it was so disorganized and because there was so much dry air penetrating into that center thing, it could just never redevelop. And 
also on top of that, we did just kind of get lucky. Like there was, there were some places in Mississippi and in Alabama and in the Florida Panhandle that got hammered by a lot of rain, uh, but because so much of that rain field was to the east of the storm, and because the landfall went, you know, just to the east of Grand Isle, we kind of caught a break there and dodged the bullet. So kudos to um, everybody locally for staying safe and i want to give some attaboys and some shout outs and just some general storm observations and then we'll give you your COVID update um first things first uh the thing that was most um eye-opening to me over the weekend was and this this even i mean it gives me goosebumps talking about it y'all it really does um i've lived in lafouche parish for i'm 32 about to turn turn 33 in the next week or so on june 20th to be exact um i've lived in lafouche parish for almost 30 years okay um i I had four years away at baton rouge at lsu where i was kind of on and off where i would come here for weekends or special occasions whatever um but the whole rest of my life man i either lived in galliano or cut off and i always would hear I always wanted to be in this field, you know, as a child. And I would always hear the horror stories of people who were in the field talking about covering Lafouche Parish government, talking about covering, you know, the Lafouche Council, talking about, you know, whoever the parish president was at that given time. Um, I want to say something here. Um, be thankful that we have the leadership structure in Lafouche that we have right now. And also, in addition to being thankful, go ahead and turn around and raise your right arm and pat yourself on the back because that leadership structure is in place because you all have turned out to vote that leadership structure into office. The job that Parish President Chasson and the Lafouche Parish Council have done to get us prepared for storm season is incredible. From before the storm was even in the Gulf, he was in communication with us telling us they were making, you know, plans and getting ready. They had everything in line, everything in order, and there was full transparency throughout. Um, He came on my radio show on Saturday morning just before landfall. He talked to me here on this podcast on Sunday just after or just, you know, a couple of minutes before landfall. Um, full transparency, gave us the information, let us know what was going on, was on Facebook Live throughout. So kudos to Lafouche Parish government for doing a wonderful job. And the same goes for all of our other um, you know, branches of local government. It goes without saying now, and it feels like I almost take them for granted, but LPSO has done a wonderful job for the last however many years. Sheriff Weber and Brendan and his you know, staff and they, they do a great job keeping everybody safe and informed. And before the storm, I was, you know, texting Brennan, who's the, the, the PIO with, with LPSO. And he was telling me we we're going to stay in, in, in close contact and stay in close communication. And he also told me, go ahead and download our app. You know, you're going to get all the news the fastest through that. I did download the app and several times I got news through their app of road closures and bridge closure, closures and different things. So kudos to LPSO, Port Fouchon transparency throughout letting us know what phase they were in in terms of their evacuations and all this and Wendell with the levy district he was a guest on our last show um district attorney russell and you know our school systems 
up and down, and I said this on social media, and I'll, I'll reiterate it again. We have not ever been in a place where there's this much unity and this many united people who are all in it for the sake of the greater good of Lafouche Parish. Government-wise, we're in a great place, and we need to thank all of those leaders. I know that I like to be the person to run my mouth when things aren't going well, but I also have to be willing to give credit where it's due when things are going well. And our local government leaders right now are doing a wonderful job. I thank them so sincerely for keeping us safe during Cristobal. And I know that in the future, we're going to be safe for storms even larger than Cristobal just because of the planning and the unity and all the great people that we have in important public offices. So thanks to you all. Um, And then, you know, another note is, man, why we can't just have, and this is a tongue-in-cheek thing now, why we can't just call storms like, basic names like why it couldn't just be tropical storm chris or why we can't have frank or bob like why is i've watched in disgust as every weatherman on every one of the networks couldn't say the name of the storm here we were calling it crystal ball or chris paul or every other variation of the name bob breck my 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 man bob breck y'all know that i'm a big bob breck guy anybody who knows me personally he said the same thing on his blog. Why can't we just simplify the names of these storms? Um, and I know it's a small thing, and it's just, but man, it was ridiculous watching four, six, and eight, and twenty-six, and no one, everyone was saying the name of the storm differently. Small thing, but it ended up being aggravating after you're doing it for two straight days. Then another thing is we're so lucky and so very blessed to have this ring levee system in Lafouche Parish. I'm literally sitting outside in my yard. The levee is just outside of our yard looking at it now big massive wall of dirt man like it's going to be in the past and in some other places in louisiana any storm is a big problem now in lafouche parish only the perfect storm is a problem and that's because of the 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 taxpayers taxing themselves to fund that levy and the hard work of window and the levy district to get all the renovations and things that they've done to build that wall up it's a massive man-made wall of dirt that protects our area and uh kudos to them so Crystal ball was a minor thing, um, kind of blew a little water onto the road on LA one. And that kind of cleared out. Everybody's now back to normal. There were minor issues in some low lying areas, but any storm gives issues to the low, to the low lying areas. And now we put the pieces back together and we await the rest of the storm season. And we hope that we don't have to do this again anytime soon, but now we get back to our regularly scheduled programming i guess and we talk about covid19 and some of the things that are going on in the state of louisiana involving covid19 we now have 44,030 total covid cases again that's total covid cases because the state reports almost 34,000 cases have have ended in a recovery 33,904 to be exact and uh, that number is as of june the 6th we have 28 155 people who have died of COVID-19 in the state. These are new numbers as of Wednesday. Um, 434,486 commercial tests have been performed. 25,634 state tests have been performed. Um, A couple of things to note. Um, The death rate in Louisiana is starting to go down. It's starting to go down significantly, honestly, to um, to be fully, you know, transparent. We were having numbers where, and let me actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull up these numbers so that I don't misspeak here and I don't give you bad information. But at one time we were having um, 60, 70 people a day die from COVID. 
we were so ravished and so hard hit in terms of our national death rate because of some of the struggles that we have um, in terms of having so many unhealthy people. Uh, in fact, I'll pull it up for you right now. It just came up. Um, our deadliest day in Louisiana was April the 14th. We had 129 people die. Then we also had April 23, 126 people die. And in between, I mean, we were looking at some numbers. I'm looking here, 70 on April 7th, 70 on April 8th, 90 on April 15th, 77 on April 21st, 68 on April 22nd, 61 on April 28th, 65 on May the 1st, 52 on May the 6th. Um, now we're in a much cleaner area in, in terms of it's now the rarity when we add a large number. And our large numbers now are in the 30s. When we add 30, that's a big number. Lately, on June the 6th, 13 people died. On June the 7th, 10 people. June the 8th, 8 people. June the 9th, 13 people. And then today, 11 people. So we're getting to a place now. And remember, I've told you throughout, fewer people on ventilators mean fewer sick people, mean fewer people who are going to die. We're starting to see that now. Um, and so those death numbers are dropping tremendously. And that's uh, the biggest miracle and the biggest blessing that we could see because those total case numbers are going to continue to go up and up and up. That's never going to change. They're never going to revise that number down. It's only going to be up and up and up. But the most important thing that we have to do is we have to protect those who are in the system and keep them safe. And we have to make sure that our hospital system is well stocked and well staffed and has um, ample bedding for everyone. And we're doing both of those things tremendously. Our death numbers, as I just said, making progress. Our hospitalizations continue to make miracle progress. Uh, 549 patients are reported in hospitals in Louisiana with COVID ailments. 72 are on ventilators. Um, 2,150-something is our, is our peak. We're now down to 549. And, you know, I, yeah, that, that's 549 people. That's a lot. But we've cut that number just tremendously. And, and Stan talked about it, and I'll talk about it now, to if you know a doctor or a nurse or uh, you know, even, you know, as, as small as an administrative assistant in the medical field, thank them, send them a text, uh, buy them flowers, do whatever, thank them because they're doing so much for so many people. We were hit hard by this because of a couple of things. First, Mardi Gras was just the worst possible timing, um, because this virus was already here and we didn't realize it. And we got together and we mixed with one another and had parades and all these different things. And we we gave this to one another badly um, because of Mardi Gras. Then second, we have such an unhealthy culture in Louisiana. So many people are obese and diabetes and heart problems and congestive heart failure and kidney disease. And we're the last in everything medically. Um, so the fact that our numbers aren't worse than what they are, I think, is just a testament to the people in our state being resilient, and then also now working together and following the guidance that has been in, put in place. In Lafouche Parish, uh, we have, let's see, I pulled up Lafayette Parish. That's the wrong parish, just Claire. In Lafouche Parish, we have 928 COVID cases. 76 people have died. Um, we were starting to see a little bit of a quote-unquote spike where we were getting 15 to 20 people a day. Um, it was a slight uptick. But now we've kind of cooled back into that five to seven per day range. 
Um, so that's been good to see as well. Um, one thing, and we wrote about this earlier in the week, tracked maps show that a lot of the new cases are South Lafouche cases. And I know that we've got a big listener base down the bayou. So be extra cautious. You know, this is not a, a time to go out and, you know, be um, coughing in everybody's face. Uh, go out, still be safe, still be cautious, live your life, do the things that you've got to do, but take the proper precautions, socially distance, don't hug as many people as you would want to hug, uh, don't high-five as many people as you'd want to high-five, and do the things that we're being coached and taught to do so that we could keep ourselves safe and keep others safe as well. Um, one thing to note, and I've been asked about this a gazillion times. I'm not going to take a Q&A officially today, but I'm going to touch on this. The situation at Walmart, okay? And you hear me gasping and you hear me sighing because I don't really want to talk about this, but I have to because I've been asked about it enough. Um, there's so much social media commentary about, oh, man, they got cases at Walmart. Oh, my God, what do we do? Um, first and foremost, trust in the reporting that we're doing. And if it truly is as bad as Facebook is telling us that it is, we would be out there running with it. I've been in contact with people at the store. I've been in contact with sources inside of, you know, the walls there. It's not as bad as you guys think it is. Some of the numbers that are being posted on social media of nine people, 12 people, you know, they're not true. Some of the numbers being posted about you know, they're two employees away from having to close down. That's not true. I know that your Uncle Jack shares every single piece of information he's given on social media, but your Uncle Jack is wrong 99% of the time. Your Uncle Jack is also probably sharing lies about conspiracy theories and other things that are not true. So if there becomes a problem, leave it to us. We're going to let you know what's going on. And I have been in contact with those people. They're doing much better than what Facebook would lead you to believe. And maybe, just maybe, the employees that did or did not test positive, maybe, just maybe, they weren't even involved with communicating with the public at all. So exhale, relax. And more importantly, you're an American citizen. If you don't feel safe going there, just don't go there. Go to Rouse's, go to you know Galliana Food Store, go to any of the other grocers locally and to the people who are saying well may if, if walmart had to close or if iga your galena food store had to close why didn't walmart have to close galena food store didn't have to close galena food store chose to close um, because they wanted to protect their employees and they wanted to protect their public so if walmart is is making a decision it's not you know favoritism from the governor or anything like that those decisions are made on a business-to-business -business basis, and any business that is closing down is closing down because they're choosing to close down. It has nothing to do with anything you know that anybody is being forced to do. There's no favoritism to the chain store. Nobody's trying to run the local mom-and-pop store out of business, but I think it is admirable that the little mom-and-pop business thinks enough of you as a customer to want to protect you and keep you safe so they are closing their doors and they are you know shutting down business for a while because they care about their workers and they care about the public that they serve an awful lot and i think that's admirable so a couple of covid statistics before we sign off here um again continued progress in just about every area of hospitals uh yeah da -da, we pull up our numbers here and we could see that in 
region three, which is our region of the state, we have 10 ventilators in use, 110 available. That number's not changed. Um, it's, it's jumped up and down a little bit. It goes to nine one day, then it goes to 12 one day, then it goes back down to 10, but no significant spikes, no significant, you know, droppages. Uh, 10 people in six parishes in our surrounding area are on ventilators. That's amazing. Uh, we are the only parish in the state that has so few uh, percentage of their ventilators employed right now. We're doing the best in the entire state. ICU bed availability. We've got 37 beds in use, 52 available. Far more than half of our bedding is not being used. We're doing the best in the state of Louisiana in Region 3. No other region in the state has more beds available than in use. Kudos to Region 3. Doing a wonderful job. Total beds available. We've got 418 in use, 300 available. That number fluctuates daily uh, because, again, that's not COVID patients. That's total patients. So if, you know, you, you got any type of ailment, that's counted in those numbers. Um, so keep doing the things we're doing. Continue to push. Continue to fight forward. And continue to realize that the math is on your side, man. The average age of COVID death in Louisiana is 74 years old. The average age of life expectancy in Louisiana is 76 years old. So the same type of person who dies of COVID is dying of just anything in the world. It's elderly with pre-diagnosed conditions by and large. And those are the people who are having the most significant ailments. Our hospitalizations are continuing to drop even as new cases come in. We're doing wonderful things to rid ourselves of this. And it's becoming more and more apparent to me every day that we're going to be able to continue to have more and more uh, semblances of life as normal in the summer, late summer, and then getting into the fall. And perhaps, you know, our sports seasons and everything may even look more promising than what we once thought that they would. So we thank Brian Kale of South Lafouche High School doing a great job uh, letting us, you know, know their plan for COVID. We thank Stan at Terrebonne General Medical Center Community Sports Institute and his athletic training staff for doing a wonderful job. We thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for reading. Um, our website is on pace to have 1 million page views for the fourth straight month. I could tell you guys when we launched that thing, we were anticipating like 250,000 page views a month, and we would have considered that a good month. Now, creeping up on 1 million for the fourth straight month, um, oh man, it's incredible. So keep reading, keep consuming our content, keep listening to the podcast, find us on iTunes, get our app, all that good stuff. And um, that's it. We're going to be done today. We're going to be back over the weekend. We're going to have some more guests and some more talk, and we're chit-chatting, pass a good time. Go and get some sun. The next couple of days are going to be hot, but the weather's supposed to be okay. Uh, go enjoy some sun, UV rays, vitamin D, all that stuff's good for COVID-19. So prevent uh, that virus from infecting your body. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane, and God bless you all. Have a wonderful day and a wonderful rest of the week. Self high five.